Hi, Steve Addison here for the Movements Podcast, the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're going to listen in on session three of the Rise and Fall of Movements Tour, and we'll look at No Place Left as a case study and hear from Jeff and Angie Sundell. Wonderful stuff happened in South Asia, and we won't delve into that. Over a period of about 10, to year, 10 years, you saw some movements happening in India and Nepal. But then you came back to the US, and this is when we first met, I guess, or just after that. You know, it was after the war, I think, Jeff. Is that right? Yeah. Um, and, and you were down here thinking, Lord... What you've done in other parts of the world, can we see movement here? Can we see multiplying disciples and churches here in a Western setting? What was it like to be in this place? Um, That's a good question. Um, I think uh, one thing is um, when you you come out of... It's literally like when you're in... You experience sort of journey one, journey two, journey three in South Asia, for example, and you sort of, you're, you're following, okay, here's journey one, this is what I'm experiencing, zero to one, planting the first church. Journey two, a little more discovering and planting churches, and um, I don't know where I'm supposed to be. And then journey three, a lot more discovering of, you know, believers. And, um, you know, and you sort of, I guess you're like, you're just expectant, you know, that this is what God does. So when you come back here, and you're like, okay, this is the way it's worked. And now you're going, I have no idea how it works here. So, that, so there's one side, there's a, you, there's a confidence in the promises of God. Because mm. I would say I went to South Asia because of Southeastern, honestly, with a trust in the promises of God. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's vision, big vision to do something, but it's the trusting in the promises of God. Trusting that he desires the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is glorious, you know, and it's, mm. well, we say God is glorious and he is glorious through the nations. What's lacking is the knowledge of God. His promise will be fulfilled. There will be the knowledge of his glory. That will happen. So I think there's one side here is just going, okay, I believe, I got to trust and believe the promises. Mm-hmm. And I got to trust and believe the word is true wherever it's at whatever season it's at and the bottom line is can can you re- can I be content if I go out every day and you just pray and whether anybody believes or not if I go out share the gospel or pray with somebody um, and that's all I do and I train anybody in anything that moves but nothing else happens am I content in who Christ is and what he's doing if that's all I were ever to do the rest of my life and so at this point, you're sort of wrestling with, it's, it is the identity piece. Can I trust the promises of God? Um, is his word true? But you're also wrestling with how do we do this stuff here? Does it, and I, wasn't there a time, Amy, where you were out, was it in Henrietta? And um, you're out and you, you started the day, you're visiting homes and you started the day thinking, I don't know if this can, I'm not sure this can work in America. Do you remember that day? Yeah. Because you were going house to house and then was it yeah. 
Tracy or someone like... Anyway, on the porch, uh, drinking tea. Do you remember that story? <laughs> I know your life yes. better than you do. I, you do. <laughs> Why don't you say yeah, it? Tell, no, no, I want to hear it from you. What was God doing in that, that time? What was happening for you? Um, well, there was always a question because we saw so much going on in South Asia and things were really starting to take off. And then God called us home, which doesn't happen. Mm. He calls people to the mission field, but not back home. What, what's up with that? So there was a lot of disillusionment, I guess, as to why he called us back. And so how you get started in a different context. We're insiders here in America, but how do you get started in this? Um, so actually, Jeff um, had called our local police station and had just asked, give us your top 10 911 call areas. And so we figured they need Jesus, right? So we took the top three, and um, the church that was just meeting in our home at the time, we just started prayer walking those three areas. And the church was just made up of some friends and some family. Um, And so, yes, we were out in this one area and had been praying and just talking to people, um, but not seeing anyone really believe or accept. No lives changed, nothing miraculous. It was much, much slower than in South Asia. And so there was one morning that before we started, we would always pray together first. And so the question was, should we really be here? Is this really what we're supposed to be doing and where we're supposed to be? And so Jeff said, well, just ask for God to tell us today to just reveal that. Is this where we're supposed to be? So we started prayer walking and sort of broke up. And that is when actually um, Jeff's parents, who are part of our group, actually met um, this one couple, and they had invited them up onto their porch. And they were extremely poor, so didn't want them to come into the house, but they could come up on the porch. And they said, they actually said, you're here because we really need to hear what you have to say. And so that was just, okay, thanks, God, for that answer to prayer. And so that's where... If you've ever heard the stories of the church on the porch, that's where that came from. Is they started gathering the community actually there on the porch to start hearing stories of Jesus and start hearing the gospel and praying for each other. And believers came out of that in a church. And so in this sort of time, you're wrestling with, Can we trust God for a breakthrough here? You're also wrestling with how do we do this in America compared to India and Nepal. The other thing that's going on, though, is, and you're you're committing to action. You're saying, even if it doesn't work, we're going to do this because it's right. And and then along the way, God is doing a couple of things, as, as I've heard your story, He's building, he's connecting with you, with, with people all around the country and us in Australia and other places, mm-hmm. with people who, is, who are wrestling with the same things. 
And you're beginning to sort of think, okay, here are the methods, here are the strategies, piece by piece, a bit like John Wesley. You're sort of stumbling, you're failing forward to discover what is this thing that God is doing. Is that, does that sort of, do you want to speak into that? Yeah, well, I'd say, you know, we sort of started with what we knew worked in South Asia, but you started realizing it doesn't work exactly right. So you start tweaking and morphing things, not knowing. It's like throwing jello on the wall. You just see it, throw it on the wall, see what sticks. But just go out and try it. And then, um, but as you go, you start, you know, really starting to hone some things. Because, you know, in the Word, there's, uh, for anybody who's separated from God, there's a solution in the Word. And so you start finding, hey, if I use this story from the Word of God, this, this works better, you know. Uh, Angie just taught Daniel to the Kurds, and we saw an immediate response wow. with the Kurds just got lit up about going to share with other Kurdish people because they saw themselves in the book of Daniel. You know, and so there were little things we found here that worked in a place like Booger <coughs> Holler that uniquely to Booger Holler don't mean they necessarily work among Kurds, but God's got little pieces in here. And so I think some of it was just start with something that worked in a movement and then tweaking and morphing it as you're going with a lot of repetition, hundreds of reps, not just a few reps. And then I think the other big piece here was fasting and prayer um, was just getting um, one big breakthrough was when about we had about in two or three counties about 70 people got together and fasted and prayed for I think about 21 days and that was like a huge breakthrough but there's almost I mean it's just a history you can go back in South Asia you can go forward from this point in time there's something about these times of fasting and prayer mm-hmm. where there's breakthrough mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything changed methodologically mm-hmm. or Sometimes God just flips a switch. I, I don't know, mm. but I just know fasting and prayer is, has been a key piece of all that. But that was one of the big pieces was um, fasting and prayer. And on the, on the surface, you're also, it's not just what methods of gospeling and discipleship and church formation. You're, you and the others who are joining now around the country, around the world are saying, well, you know, we, we really need to get to get the practitioners together and debrief, identify where they're stuck, let them speak into one another's lives, let them then commit to what's, what they're going to do going forward. So all of a sudden this thing called a mid-level emerged uh, or others have said, you know, we really need to help people get into the breadth of Scripture, discover this whole movements thing in the Word and learn some skills uh, to, to, to sort of move, to implement. And now we've got this Four Fields Intensive that runs over four days. And there are these different building blocks that you're, you're, you're discovering, you and others are discovering along the way. Um, like Wesley did, you know, like Jesus had, here's, here's some building blocks that enable this thing to spread beyond any individual. And I, I'm just thinking, you, you trained a, a, a guy up the back there called Troy Cooper, and he started running these four fields intensives. And he, he came out to Australia with a whole tribe of people, and we, we ran them together in Australia. A couple of hundred people have been trained um, this year in that 
sort of biblical foundations and the simple tools, and then out in, out in the harvest. Across in one year, we've got a couple of hundred people who are doing this across Australia. Same thing happened in the United Kingdom, but at the last one, Troy didn't bother to turn up. It's shocking, isn't it? And and there's a, a young guy in his twenties by the na- name of Rick Priato, and he comes out to equip the Aussies now to run these intensives around the country and then follow up with these mid-levels. And uh, he does far better than Troy could ever do. Um, and, but better still, the next four fields intensive will be run completely by Australians and Troy will come up out and just sit up the back and help them do it. And so here's some building blocks that within the space of one or two years, we now ha- will have a national network of practitioners and people who can train and mobilise. So all of that is going on and it's still going on. Is that? Do you want to say something about I've said a lot about it, but is that what you've seen? There's this prayer and fasting, but there's also the hard work of here's the tools, here's the building blocks. Yeah, well, I think the bottom line is try and imitate Jesus the best we can. He's unique in this being Christ, you know, the God-man. But there's a lot of things we can imitate. And so, one, you know, Jesus never went anywhere alone. So imitating Jesus. But if you look at the first part of the life of Christ, it's all him sort of doing it. Then you start to see the second part of his life, and there's sort of this model assist watch stage well he did the modeling but now there's assist watch stage where he's now sending the disciples and they're going and doing it and then we get to the end of his life and before the uh, ascension you know and they're completely doing it and now he's he ascends he sends a spirit and sets them free to go Mm -hmm. do it in the same way then the spirit you know we we watch Mm -hmm. the book of acts and you literally see the same thing in the life of paul you see sort of a zero to one in the first journey zero to one is Gospeling, starting churches in the Galatian region. Um, you know, so you see a very different picture here. Then you see journey two, and you see them picking up people from the first journey, uh, Timothy, and then they're going on the second journey. And he's following up, but now they're starting new work, but they're discovering stuff as they go. But to me, it's, a, it's, a, it's again, imitating. Over here, we're imitating what Jesus did. If we watch Paul, there's a very similar imitation of what Christ did, of him imitating some of the... The methodologies, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but imitating the, the what Christ did, ministry. the patterns of Christ. Yeah. And so uh, I think part of this is just learning, one, to trust the patterns of Christ. That, you know, if um, don't trust in a method, mm. um, I think this is why reading the, you know, if we talk about right here, but we think about word, works, wineskin. So mm-hmm. always train people to go back to the word. Don't trust in the method. Go back to mm. the word. Mm. Works is, man, I'm going to look at history. I'm going to look at church history. I'm going to look at movement history. I'm going to look at what God's done. But somewhere in the midst of this is the new wineskin that Mm. fits for this context. So in South Asia, the new wineskin looked different, um, say, than America versus refugees in a European city. But it's still always going to go back to the word. But take a look at similar practices that were in movements, but make sure... The new wineskin is uh, there, but a wineskin is only there for a season. Mm. But the word will not fade away. So we've got to keep, to me, that's where we keep going back here to the word and dig into the works and a wineskin, but keep keep going back to the word. 
Are you yeah. telling me the Movements podcast will serve its purpose but not be eternal? Probably not. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> but for a time. <laughs> okay. And this is just my observation. In different places, and it's, it's not just the this, this sort of stream and networks that you're a part of, but this is happening all over the Western world as we see the movements in the developing world and as God is shifting people around the globe, there are all sorts of initiatives like you've been a part of in No Place Left that are popping up. We're part of something truly amazing. They may have different labels and different relationships, but this, this is a greater movement of God. And in places, we're already seeing this, it's taking off. And the wonderful thing, because you and others have played a pioneering role here. You've, been, you've drawn others into this whole growth and building phase. But I don't think you should do this, but you could go off and say, I'm just going to hunt and fish the rest of my life, okay? And this would hardly miss a beat. Yeah. I mean, you would be missed, okay? But you're not controlling this, are you? You're you're watching your children and your grandchildren and great-grandchildren really pick up the challenge and and go for it. So it's it's not a centrally controlled thing. And it's part of... There are are signs of new life all over the place alongside of of what you're doing. So thank you. Okay. This is what I, I would leave you with. You are a part of something far bigger than you realise. You know, the engine room of history and certainly of the history of God's movement is the multiplication of movements in all their diversity and yet in their common cause of the word, the spirit and the core missionary task. This is happening all over the world. And uh, it's happening here in the US and we're, we're catching up in Australia and Europe. Um, you are a part, of, if you signed up for this, you're a part of something that is unprecedented in human history. You know, we have never seen movements of multiplying disciples and churches amongst Muslim background people. It's never happened until this generation. Um, you know, I, I like to say if, you know, if your children and grandchildren, if you're worried that maybe they'll drift away from the Lord because of the state of the church, don't worry because the Koreans, the Brazilians and the Nigerians and the Nepalis are coming. <laughs> so now we're going to a world where we're not just let's go to Nepal and help them reach Nepal. No, we'll go to Nepal because we're going to be partners together in reaching the nations. This is a wonderful time. This is the lead up to, the, to finishing the task and Christ's return. I'm not giving you a date. I'm just saying these are unprecedented times. And you'll drive home tonight and you'll think, yeah, Steve, but look at the things I'm facing and oh, my team, they're not together. And, you know, um, we, we, Michelle and I arrived in England 
And we just did. I, I just think you've just got to go do what's right. So we're in the harvest. We're training and mobilizing people all over the country and trusting God. And after about a year, I met this guy called Russell Godwood. And he and his wife had just been through an awful experience of losing their 21-year-old son to cancer. You know, they had had the dark night of the soul. But Russell was saying, I want to give my life. He's a pastor of 20 years. I want to give my life to making disciples. So I said, hey, go away and take about the next three months off and just spend some more time grieving and finding God in your loss. It had been about a year and, you know, you've been grieving for a year. So go. I don't want to see you for another three months. And then when you come back, we'll give you some training. And, um, you know, while we were working hard at training and mobilising people, God was preparing Russell, Russell Godwood. He was a gift from God. I wake up every day and I thank God for Russell Godwood. You know, there's a reason we're back in Australia. Because he's got multiplying teams now in 11 of the 12 regions of the United Kingdom. This guy's just spent his fourth year of doing 30 days in the harvest. And I remember the days he said, I'm out in the harvest, but if I'm not around, my team doesn't go out in the harvest, you know. Well, now he's got multiple teams over his local region and throughout the nations. And he's become something. Do you know what I mean? He's identity through, through the suffering and finding God in that, through his obedience to fulfill the Great Commission in his nation and to go to the nations, he's become a different person. He embodies this. But it's in all the mess and disappointments of life and the setbacks and all of that, but the glory of God shines through. And we're all part of this great journey. We're all part of this. You are a part. If you've signed up for this, and God is going to change you from the inside out and make you like his son. And Jesus in Luke, he says, not, you know, go to the nation. He says that in Matthew. He says, this gospel for the forgiveness of sins will be preached. To the nations. It's going to happen. Jesus rose from the dead. He still leads the way. And you and I are a part of this great cause. Isn't it wonderful? Even in the disappointments, he's there. He's been in the disappointments. And he's there with us. Isn't this a wonderful thing? I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you. For everyone here today, they're here because they want to serve you, Lord. They want to be part of something bigger and greater, which is your work to redeem lost people from the judgment of God and eternity without you and to bring them into your family, to adopt them and to raise up for yourself a people that will display your glory and take the glorious gospel to the ends of the earth. And Lord, we struggle at times. Every one of us sort of wonders, am I really making a contribution? Is this real? 
And yet, like Jesus, we want to find you on the mountaintop when we hear your voice and feel the power of your Holy Spirit. And like Jesus, we want to know you in the wilderness testing. And in our need and brokenness, we want to cast ourselves on you and say, it is written. And like Jesus, Lord, would you return us to our mission field that we would return in the power of the Holy Spirit to set free the captives, to see your glory displayed throughout all the earth. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Well, that's the third and final session in the Rise and Fall of Movements Tour. Go to movements.net if you'd like to find out how you can get a copy of the book. I'm Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast.